Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing and gift of this opportunity to worship you together. We thank you, Lord, for drawing us from our various places to come and be united under your word. We pray, Lord God, that you give us single heart, single mind for you, that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord, and that as your word is proclaimed, you would speak deep into our hearts. Lord, place your words in my mouth, that I might be faithful in preaching them. Lord, and we pray that you would work your transformative work among us, Lord, revealing, redeeming, and setting free. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so great to see you all today. Well, as I get older, right, and I'm getting up there, getting down on the ground is getting harder and harder, right? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, right? And then once you get down, you're faced with the prospect of getting back up again, which isn't so pleasant anymore, right? Yeah, I'm not as young as I used to be, so I'll tell you what, it is not as easy. I remember being 17, getting under my car to work on it in the yard. That was a piece of cake, right? I didn't care it was a gravel driveway. I'd just jump under that thing, do the work, get out, feeling good afterwards. Man, now when I work on my car, I try and find things on the top of it, right? (laughs) Like, how can I reach this from the top, right? Do I really need to get down on my back under this car because I know I'm going to get dirt dropped in my eyes and grease and it's going to be miserable and then I'm going to have to get up at the end right getting down is just not what it used to be anymore that would be a song too that'd be a good song (laughs) that's right and so but in our gospel passage that doesn't seem to be true because these people seem to have no problem getting on their knees before Jesus Christ In our gospel passage, we have the account of two different healings. The first one is Jairus' daughter, and the second, which is wrapped in the middle of it, is the bleeding woman. So Jairus, as you know, he's a leader in the synagogue. The synagogue was the place where the Pharisees would go to um, study God, to study the scriptures, to learn about him, um, to be encouraged, challenged, blessed. That was their place. And Jairus was a leader at a synagogue. He approaches Jesus and falls at his feet. He's in great need because his 12-year-old daughter is dying. He knows, though, that if Jesus will only come and touch her, she will be made well. He knows that if he brings Jesus to her, then she will live. Jesus agrees to go with him. And as he's on his way to Jairus' house, they have to travel through a big crowd because apparently Jairus is not the only one in need. Jesus is surrounded by people. And his disciples are going out in front, you know, like the Secret Service, you know, with their earpiece, pushing people out of the way, trying to make a path for Jesus to get through. Suddenly, Jesus stops and says something totally inane. He says, who touched my clothes? Right, and the disciples are like, what do you mean, who touched your clothes? There's like a gazillion people around here, Jesus. It could be anybody. And what's the big deal? Right, everyone's reaching out to you. Everyone's trying to get a selfie with you. Everyone's trying to shake your hand. Everyone's trying to touch you. Who touched you? What do you mean, Jesus? 
But Jesus means something different than just who touched him, because lots of people were touching him. He means who touched me in faith so that my power went out into that person and changed them. He just felt something move through him. He just felt some of his power go into somebody else. He knew somebody had touched him in a significant way, and he wanted to know who. Do you think he really didn't know who it was? Do you think he was really kind of in the dark, like, hmm, I wonder who it was? I'm pretty sure and convinced that Jesus knew for sure who it was. He was asking the question, though, so that someone could come forward, so that someone could bear testimony to their need and how God had fulfilled it. He didn't want to just point him out and say, you, you woman, I see you. Like, that would be a tough thing to do, right? Instead, he wants her to come forward and to speak about how God has healed her. So she does. She comes forward because she knew as soon as she had touched him that she had been healed. The text tells us immediately upon touching him, her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. She therefore falls at his feet in fear and trembling, worried that maybe she did something wrong, which she wasn't supposed to touch him. Somebody who was bleeding was considered unclean, right? And to touch someone else would be to make them unclean. Maybe she's afraid that Jesus is going to rebuke her, that he's going to cast her away. But she knows she has to come forward. So she falls on her knees and tells him everything. And he tells her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. During this interlude, things have gone south for Jairus, though. People have come from his home to tell him that his daughter has died and that he need no longer bring Jesus to his house. Right? Jesus is obviously a busy guy. There is a lot going on that Jesus can focus on. He doesn't need to go to this place where he obviously can't do anything because the child is now dead. Can you imagine how this was for Jairus? He had had such hope. Jesus, the one who could, the one who could heal, the one who proclaimed God's message, was coming to his house. His daughter would definitely be healed. He was filled with hope. And then on the way, they get sidetracked by this woman, Right? They get sidetracked by somebody who maybe could have waited till later. Maybe she could have been stopped of her bleeding that evening or the next day. Maybe it could have happened another time. But instead, Jesus stops and talks to this woman, and Jairus' daughter dies. Can you imagine what that might feel, fill you with? Anguish, pain? Maybe a feeling that God doesn't come through for you when you need him most? Jesus cuts off all that stuff. He knows what these, these people are talking about from Jairus' house. He knows what they've said to him. And so he turns to Jairus and says, Do not fear, only believe. Once Jesus was on the way, he would not be turned away, and even death could not thwart him. So, after reassuring Jairus... He goes with him to his home, and he brings with him Peter, James, and John, that inner circle of disciples. When they arrive at there, the home, there's a huge commotion because the morning has begun. 
right? People are weeping, sobbing, crying out. Have you ever heard this before, how this, in the Middle East, how they mourn people? Right? It is not restrained or reserved, right? And so as they're nearing the house, they can hear the cries and the wails coming from that place. But Jesus creates the most awkward moment that I know of in the scriptures when he comes in the room and says, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. Now, it's been a while since I took pastoral care classes in seminary, but I'm pretty sure this is not how to enter the home of a person who's just died. But for Jesus, it makes perfect sense, right? Because in his mind, there's nothing to cry about. This child will live. So he kicks everyone out because they were probably, I mean, the people, some of them are laughing at this point, right? This has got to be weird. You know, some are laughing, some are still crying. Everyone's kind of confused. What's he talking about? He kicks them all out. Go outside, everybody. And he and his three disciples and the girl's parents go upstairs to her room. And then he reaches into death and pulls this little girl out with his voice. The same voice you'll remember that spoke the stars into existence. The same voice that said, let there be light, speaks to this girl. And when that voice speaks, even death cannot hold her. He tells her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. He speaks to her just like she's asleep, just like she's been taking a nap and it's time to go. He wakes her up and brings her from death into life. And this 12-year-old girl immediately gets up and starts walking around. And Jesus tells them to tell no one but to get her something to eat. Now, what do we see in these linked accounts of these two healings? Well, we see, first of all, the power of God to heal and to deliver, to set free and to make strong. We also see some striking similarities in these two stories. Right? Both, in both stories, the people fall on their knees before Jesus. In one, in the account of Jairus, uh, he kneels before the healing takes place. He kneels before Jesus and begs him to come. In the bleeding woman, it's after she is healed, she falls on her knees before Jesus and tells him everything, all her needs and how he has fulfilled them. Also, both of them choose to believe even when it's difficult. For the bleeding woman, it would have been incredibly difficult to believe that anything could happen good for her. She spent all her money on doctors and it had gotten her nowhere. Nowhere, no healing. Anyone feel like that? Right? She had gone to the end of her rope and there was nothing. Her only hope was Jesus. And yet she chose to believe, to trust that if she just touched his cloak, she would be healed. And Jairus, his daughter, has just died. His friends are saying, don't even bother with Jesus anymore. It's too late. And yet he chooses to hear and believe Jesus' words, to not fear and to believe. And both these folks and their families have their lives transformed through the power of of Jesus Christ because they believe. So what does this story mean for us today? Well, the same Jesus who touched these people and changed their lives 
is here with us right now. He is not even a breath away from us. He is closer to us than our own heartbeat. If we're in pain, if we are in hardship, if we are suffering, we can fall on our knees before Jesus Christ and ask him for whatever we need. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ultimately, every knee will bow to Jesus Christ. We have a choice to do it right now, to bend our knees to him, to confess our need, to turn to him in hope and in faith. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to get down on my knees still. The ground seems so far away, and it seems so hard to get up again. But this is different. This is an attitude, the heart and the mind, that we turn to Christ as our only hope. We kneel before him, and we put our trust in him. When we do that, Jesus Christ unleashes his power in our lives. He sets our souls free from sin and death and destruction. He offers us his eternal life. And he can also heal our bodies, set us free from oppression. He can do great and mighty things as well. But the greatest of these is that he sets us free so that we can love him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Today, even though it's hard to get on our knees, may we kneel before our Savior. May we confess our need to him, confess our brokenness and sin to him, and receive his grace, his redemption, and his, his healing, that we might be set free and sent out to this world in peace, knowing that we have been reconciled to our God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you choose to offer your hope and reconciling grace to us, Lord. We confess to you our hardness of heart, Lord, our stiffness of joint, that we don't feel like bowing before you, Lord. We'd rather hold ourselves up under our own power. But today, Lord, we confess to you that we do not have the strength to do this. Lord, humble us. Help us to see both how much we are loved and how broken we are so that we can turn to you, we can confess our sin to you, Lord, and that we can receive your grace. Lord, and then send us out into this world as proclaimers of your peace, instruments of your mercy, vessels of your hope, Lord. We pray that you would fill our mouths with the proclamation of your good news, and may we serve you faithfully in this world, bearing testimony to the way you have healed us, Lord, and set us free. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.